Welcome to Obey the Grain podcast number 10. Woo-hoo! Double digits. Yeah. Like, the next one, you're going to need to take off a shoe to count it. <laughs> I have two, I have 12 fingers. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then you're it's okay. It's a woodworker, right, to have extra fingers. <laughs> that is, actually. You've, well, you've actually got uh, a couple more then before you have to take shoes <laughs> off. So I am Justin Dietrich. I am a woodshop teacher in Illinois. And with me are... Katrina Nellis and... Tracy Chevron. And we are... I, I ran out of superlatives. I ran out of. We're woodworkers. We teach stuff. <laughs> we make stuff. We teach stuff. Mostly um, wood. For any listener, I think we should. I think we should give a uh, oh, a heads up for today. For any listeners, the three of us um, in our own right have all been pretty sporadic and spread out over the last month. And if you can't tell, I think we're a little beat down right now and we're going to force our way through getting an episode out. But uh, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel all of us are like, oh, man, let's do it. All right, let's get it through. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's been like three weeks. Is that right? Three? Somewhere in there. Four? Three three to four, I think, since we've recorded. And I mean, I can tell you that I, I really because of our schedules not lining up a little bit but you know i don't really know hardly any times we could have worked out to record in the last three to four weeks the We've most just been, time of yeah, the year for, for, for all, all of us, us yeah. yeah i think so so but uh i've been not so much on the making side but i'm a head wrestling coach and so our last we we kind of got into our postseason the last three weeks and and of course i was able to uh, get the flu right on the first week of going into our regionals. And it's been pretty hard for me to, you know, like I've kind of had to stay away from my guys a little bit, but at the same time, I still got to have run practices. I still got to have every, you know, have buses lined up and make sure everybody, you know, hotel rooms. And it's been outside of school. It's been a pretty long and tough few weeks for me, but I mean, I'm not trying to, give a sob story or anything, but I'm on, I'm, I'm just kind of starting to feel on the backswing of feeling better. So I know where, so where have you guys been the last couple of weeks? I think the last time we recorded a podcast, we were about to leave for Tampa. So yeah, I believe so. We went to Tampa and then we went to Indianapolis and then we came home for a brief, like two days and then we went to St. Louis and we've, Last weekend, yeah. we've had this past week off. We've been home for a That's whole week. That's a funny joke. We had it off. <laughs> we didn't have a show, but it's, it's true. Yeah, there's the number of things to catch up on when we get back. Yeah. It's is crazy. And so. Yeah. Cause we're going to, we're going to be gone for five weeks. So we're playing catch up on having been gone for two weeks paying the bills and just doing normal, you know, house stuff, laundry, dishes, etc., and then getting prepped for being gone for 3 mm-hmm. 5 weeks. I, I don't even know now. Yeah, that's kind of a fun, definitely. It's got to be like a week where you're like trying to decompress a little bit 
But at the same yeah. time, you got to get ramped up for that's a pretty right. long, yeah. five weeks is that's a pretty good run. Yeah, it's an easier week <laughs> mentally, but it's a uh, a lot more on our feet go go. So our travel days, you know, there's a lot of driving time, but we also are able to come home, or, well, to home to the motel and just you know physically rest um, after six p.m., which is unheard of when we're at home. You know, we're work until 10, 11 o'clock at night a lot of times. So yeah. So I've managed not to not to get too sick so far this year. I had a little mild vertigo when around the time we went to Tampa. That seems to have cleared up. That's good. All right. Well do you guys want to get us into our quote for the day? Quote for the episode? Yeah. Yeah, this, this is, is before time. I'm going to I'm going to throw out a disclaimer. I feel like there's going to be a story with this one. <laughs> oh, not a specific story, but um and uh profanity warning, right? If you have sensitive ears or if you have little ones. <laughs> here we go. This is um I suspected where this originated from. I heard it from my mom. And I suspected it came from her dad, and I was I was right. So I asked her about this recently. Wish in one hand and shit in the other, and see which one fills up first. <laughs> and I heard that I don't know how many times as a kid from my mom, and I never even understood really what the the context or you know what the real meaning was. And it's just you know, anytime you're complaining about you don't have this or that to do whatever. You know, it's not going to fix itself. You're not going to magically write the write the problem or whatever it is. Roll up your sleeves, and figure something out, get to work. So, very simple. Right. And I'm also I'm also trying to think about. I'm like, okay, how am I going to use this in an Instagram post? How am I going to find a picture <laughs> for this one? <laughs> You need a you need a poop emoji somewhere. <laughs> Maybe that's what it'll be. I like so. the fairy godmother. <laughs> um, is there like do you have like is there anything recently that made you think of this one? Um, I don't know if there's a specific thing, but just in general, the amount of physical work we have to do to, to keep ourselves fed. It's, it's crazy. And we get a lot of comments to the effect of you guys, you know, you know, you're living the dream type thing. Right. And on the one hand, okay, sure. We're not reporting to, you know, the, the boss man every day and dealing with those frustrations, but man, it, it is just nonstop work to, to, well, what's the other expression? Uh, as a small business owner, be your own boss. You only eat what you kill, right? That's a popular phrase. Right. And that's very yeah. true. Um, so I just think about what <clears throat> the perception of what it what it means to be in a situation where people can envy your supposed, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it success, but... Uh, we're, we're doing better the last couple of years. And I can think back of <laughs> all those situations where I, I wish I would, I would have had a better tool. 
my bandsaws often make me think of this where in the first couple years of trying to do this, um, when I realized a bandsaw was going to be a key tool to being more productive, I had these old crappy craftsmen's and the, you know, the blades constantly broke and came off and they didn't cut straight. And I was, I was constantly wishing I had a, a better. <laughs> Are you listening, Google? <laughs> Grizzly bandsaw. And after a few years of parting with those older bandsaws and taking them apart enough times and trying things, I realized I kind of like those better. And it was a matter of digging into them and figuring out how to make what I had work and not wishing I had something, something better. So, I mean, that's one, one minor example of where I think that expression applies. I yeah. think that's an excellent example. You can make do with, a, I mean, you don't have to have a lot to be able to do a lot. You just <clears throat> have to have a little bit of creativity in using your available resources <laughs> A phrase I used to tell my children all the time, use your resources. You are resourceful. There are things available to you. Use those. There's no excuse for not being able to do X, Y, Z. You have everything at your fingertips. I, I like to tell my students, you know, uh, we had to use the card catalog and books <laughs> and magazines to find things. You have, you have Google or Alexa or Siri, and you can just <laughs> talk to your phone. Hey, Google, what's the capital of North Dakota? And you can know it instantly. Hey, Google, what year was Patrick Swayze born? We did that <laughs> last night. Like, we can find this information out. Back in 1994, that was not going to happen. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, I have also, just real quick off that, I've also heard that, like, you know, back when we were growing up, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, you could have arguments with friends, you know, maybe on like the lyrics of a song or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Trivia, you know, the Patrick Swayze's birthday that could go on for a long time because nobody could just go look it up right away. Now, like arguments just end right away. It's like, yeah. no, the, the lyrics are this. And it's like, all right, look, them, you know, right now we're going to know in less than 30 seconds. So, um. I've heard that like those types of trivial type arguments are, are just a thing of the past now because of that. So um, and it's so much less fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because we all remember things the way that we want to. So, you know, when you'd have two people arguing over like lyrics of a song or somebody's birth date or saw the score of a game or something, then, you know, everybody remembers it the way they want to, and they're both going to be pretty dead set on it. So now those things are just gone. So um, whenever I hear this quote, I've always just thought of it as a way of uh, of you make your own fate too a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. like you can sit back and you can just, you know, wish and wish and wish all that you want. Or, you know, you can go take control of your life and you can um, be proactive in the way that things are happening to you and the way that things are happening for you. And whenever I've heard this quote, that's always the first thing that I think about. And, and, um, I've, I guess personally, I've made it, a uh, 
I don't I'm trying to think about how do I want to say this correctly. Like uh I I guess there's really no other way to say it other than this. Like I really I I don't like being around lazy people. Like I I just don't like being around people that that's all they want to do is talk about the things that they want or wish that things were different. And if your mindset is always to default to like, well, there's things out of my realm that are keeping me from achieving, um, you know, this goal in my life, then, then you probably think that way all the time about everything, you know, whether it's, you don't have this tool or whether, you know, you're not getting this job or you're not getting, you know, this customer or whatever. It's like, well, just go out and keep fighting for it, you know, and be um, proactive in the way that you're going to get that. So that's the way I've always heard this quote. And growing up, I've, I've kind of always thought that, like, you have to take control of, of your own fate and destiny. And, and that's the way I've always felt. So very true. I think a lot of times as a society, we've gotten, you know, soft from too many Disney movies of just wish upon a star <laughs> or, you know, one day you'll, you'll wake up and realize you, you're actually a prince or a princess and <laughs> things are miraculously just going to turn around for you by virtue of birth or something like that. And, or the fairy godmother is going yeah. to come and tap you on the head and poof, everything is fixed. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, it's, it's easy to sit back and, you know, and I, especially social media wise, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about this all the time, but it's easy to see what someone else has, you know, see someone else's shop, see, or like what you guys were talking about earlier, you know, people talking about like, man, you guys are just living the dream. And it's like, well, <laughs> Look at the sacrifices that we make, though. You guys, you know, yeah, you do have a lot of freedom, but you've also made a lot of sacrifices to have to have that certain type of freedom. And like me personally, um, I kind of feel like I'm I uh, I've lived both worlds as far as like being really independent, self-employed. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the struggle that that is there's advantages to it and there's disadvantages to it. And like being a, being a school teacher, um, I've given up, I, I kind of have to give up some personal freedom to be a school teacher. But at the same time, I'm also, I'm, I'm able to get back some other freedoms that a lot of people that are self-employed don't get. And, you know, for an example, like, you know, I'm, I have to be at school, you know, from when I'm not in season, uh, from 7:45 to 3:30 every day, you know. And the one thing I, this is just a personal thing that I don't like. I, uh, yeah, I do not like teaching um, really bell to bell, and I mean that's just the way our educational system's set up. But um, I just I find that a lot of the times, you know, like right when you're starting to get a student a student to engage. Um, is right when, you know, maybe you're getting into something and then the bell's getting ready to ring and it's time to clean up. And um, it's a, to me, you know, I wish it was a little bit more organic. I don't know what the right way to achieve that is, especially when you only get 50 minutes with every class. But 
the other side of that is that, you know, me personally, um, going into education, I've, you know, I don't, I, I grew up with a family that we were self-employed and, you know, even I've done, I've worked self-employed stuff and I don't have to worry about where my checks are coming from. And, um, I know that, you know, especially in construction, you know, when you're running your own business, um, you know, sometimes you're waiting on a check. Sometimes you're waiting on a check to clear the bank. Sometimes, you know, there's a bunch of hoops to jump through and it might be two or three months. And, you know, for a family, sometimes I'm when they're waiting on those checks to come in and, and there's advantages and disadvantages. So, you know, I've kind of had to give up a little bit of personal freedom, um, to be a teacher, but at the same time, you know, I, I have things that are working in my favor. Um, and also, you know, I get a lot of time in the summer and I get breaks and there's other times that I get a lot of freedom. So, you know, everybody, you kind of have to be willing to sacrifice something to get something else, you know. In, in every aspect of life, you have to make compromises. And, and that's one of those compromises. We were just talking about that exact same thing. You know, when you're a teacher, when you have a, a nine to five or some steady paycheck, you know that even if as long as you show up, that paycheck is going to end up in your bank account. That's, that's the idea, right? But when you're self-employed, um, this is one of the, the stresses that I don't think a lot of people think about. Uh, we don't know when that next paycheck or if that next paycheck is going to show up. Um, you have to keep working and working and working and it's, it never leaves your mind that, and I don't know if, if when you reach like Bill Gates status, he he was a self-starter. He did his Mm -hmm. own thing. And at the beginning it was probably difficult and he didn't know where his paychecks were coming, but does he worry about that now? Probably not, but that's not the case for most people that are self-employed. Right. And, you know, so just uh, kind of to bring it back to where I started, that was, you know, I think on social media, you know, sometimes we look at other people and are like, oh, look at their shop or man, all they do is that, that's so awesome. They just get to sit at home and, you know, work in their own shop and they're building mm-hmm. furniture. They're making spoons. You know, that's all they do. You know, we're just there's other... out all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's so relaxing. There's, there, there's other stressors that are that those people are taking on that you don't see. And especially when it comes to social media, you know, your people are only portraying what they want people to see, which is fair. I mean, there's, you know, things that, you know, sometimes you either just don't want to show or whatever, and that's fine. Um, but I think it's for some, cause I've had some people you know, that have talked to me that have been like, well, you know, I think I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to go into this type of thing. And I'm just, I'm not saying don't do it. Um, I'm just saying, just make sure you do your homework and you understand you. like what that's yeah. going to be, you know, um, luckily enough, I have, you know, I have good insurance through my school, but if I were to, if I were to quit teaching, you know, I'd be giving that up. And then that means that's some money that I got to come up with somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, just to even be able to have the same type of health coverage for my family, you know, and it's one thing for me, but when you have children, you know, yep. those are, those are real life things that you got to think about. So, yep. so, uh, yep. 
Do you we're guys want young... to... Sorry, what was that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to mention, we get a lot of questions about wood and carving and that kind of stuff, but we also get a fair number of questions about how, you know, how to do this as a business. How do you know how to price and... your stuff? How do you... Mm -hmm. And we're very frank <laughs> uh, trying to keep people from expecting to have it be a money maker unless I mean it's it's an insane amount of work by most people's standards but the trade-off is those freedoms that you spoke of and if, if that's what you really value then maybe it's worth it but it's a uh, right be, being able to prioritize right being being able to prioritize what you value in that mm -hmm. um, now i'm i'm fortunate enough that i've been able to find a teaching job that is you know directly in a subject that i i really care about that i believe in i believe is important you know i i think it's really important that we're supplying this need to students and so i'm like man this i'm i'm very very fortunate um but you know if i had to teach on subjects that i didn't really care about or things that I didn't even necessarily believe in, you know, then it's different. But, you know, again, everybody, um, but also, I mean, I'm not afraid to say, like, I've, I've worked really hard to put myself in the position to, to be in this spot, you know, and I've, um, you know, done some things at a younger age that have, that where I kind of maybe um, took on a little bit more at a younger age before we had kids or anything that allowed me to have a little bit more freedom now. Um, so, you know, it's just, again, a, a lot of it goes back to sacrifices and the things that you're willing to make. And, you know, are you willing to um, do things right now that are going to be less fun that might even cost you more money right now that five years from now are going to uh, give you more freedom or, you know, maybe bring in a little bit more money at that time, but you're not going to see it for a while. So, I think that's always a tough spot. Another comment that you guys just made, though, that I saw, I'm going to try and remember the comic, but it was, uh, it might have been on like one of the Facebook groups I'm in, like um, the We Like to Make Stuff or something like that. But somebody put up a comic and it's a picture. It's two people are talking and one person says like, um, wow, I'm just, I'm just so impressed by the artwork that you put forth and, you know, the things that you can do and, you know, like you're so talented, you're so crafty and stuff like that. And they're complimenting this person on something that they've made. And then the next, the, the, and the person says like, Oh, thank you very much. You know, it's taken a long time for me to learn how to do this and all this stuff. And then the next comment from the other person is, can I have it for free? <laughs> and it's like and I've, I've kind of misquoted it I'm not remembering it correctly but that was basically the summation of it and it's like you know for the people that you know they want to sit there and be like oh wow you're so talented you know you know you're so artistic you're so this and then they sit there and praise you and then but then they want the Walmart price for it you know or something and it's like understand the situation that of what I've given up to, to be able to learn how to do this. You know, I think of like, you know, people that like do glass blowing and stuff like that. Like that stuff is just mesmerizing to me. And, but if you go try and buy like a glass that somebody's made like through glass blowing or something, 
you're going to spend 30 or 40 bucks, but it's beautiful stuff. And, but you know, it's like having that true respect for the art and for the craft is why that's so important. You know, something you just said reminds me, we were discussing this last night and I, I like to remember when, when Tracy really first started doing this, I was, I was not here in Kansas city. I was in North Carolina and we talk about it every night, but in the shed, we have these boxes of wood, many, many, many boxes of wood. And sometimes we have to cull them because, well, frankly, there's just, there's so much, but the early splittings of wood from years ago are almost useless now because um, you learn as you go. And that's the thing. You just have to get in, you have to do the work, you have to do it to learn it and get good at it. It doesn't just happen overnight. You can't just poof. No, you know, be a master at something or an expert as, as we've talked about, but um, those, so those, those pieces, I guess they're not useless, are they? I say that a lot. The real value of some piece of wood, if, if somebody learned a, a key principle from it, even if you know you spent the whole day splitting blanks or whatever, and half of them are not usable, did you figure out which parts of the log to avoid? Did you did you find that out? Um, yeah, it's all the cost of education. It's built in. Yeah. You're not going to get further along in your journey by not doing that work. It's just can't regard it as a waste or, or um, yeah, a, a frustration. It's just, it's part of the process of learning. Something you said, Justin, you were talking about how people, you know, people always want to say just, you're, you're mentioning lazy people and how they, oh, I wish I had this. Oh, I wish I had this. I like to kind of call them the complainers. And they'll just complain about this aspect of their life and how this isn't good, this is bad, and if if I only and uh, and what if and but they never do anything about it. Like if if you want to be a a, a painter or a writer or um, or just have a better job, I mean, yeah, you can't have a better job if you don't apply for. A yeah. better job. Yeah, just hitting the pavement and or rewriting your resume or whatever it is, whatever the rate limiting step is there. Yeah. You want more pay, you don't like your job, uh, go talk to your boss. If if they don't agree with you, this is not where you should work. Right. Yeah. I mean it's always about um I've always contributed a lot of that to people that are willing to fail. Like the, that are, aren't like, I've always kind of gotten confused. I think it was Michael Jordan or something that somebody was like, well, what motivated me was my, was my fear of failure um, or my fear of losing or something like that. But um, I, um, I mean, I, I look at people that are successful and that are, you know, quote unquote, like, you know, have moved their way up, have gotten to the point where they have freedom or have financial freedom or whatever. And usually those people, when you look back at their timeline, they were willing to take risks that other people weren't willing to take. And they were willing to step out 
and maybe get beat on a little bit and maybe, you know, maybe have an epic failure that um, others weren't willing to take. And, and everybody sits there and, and makes fun of that person, you know, or it's like, oh, man, that guy failed so bad. Or look at that. You know, he went to go for that business. He went to go create his own business and it just fell on its face. And but, you know, that person, if they are probably intrinsically motivated because that's why they went to go do that in the first place. And so when they get beat down and they lose and they fail, according to everybody else, they take all that information in and they learn from it and they use it and they go, okay, now I know what not to do that time. And so then they just get right back up and there's tons and tons of, uh, of history that shows things like this, like Henry Ford, Henry Ford bank went bankrupt seven or eight times, right. Before he finally um, created the assembly line and then um, got to the model T. Um, If you go read everything on Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln failed his entire life until he was like, basically until he won the presidency, which was he 60 when he won as president. Yeah. I think it was 60, but that was the first thing that he ever succeeded at. Like he just, there's like 20 things uh, even politically that he attempted to do from his like mid thirties on that he just failed at for a long time. And those, I, I just, I get so motivated when I read stories about people like that, because I'm like, man, that's just, they just didn't stop going. They didn't stop. They, they didn't listen to the crowd they didn't listen to the people, the naysayers sitting up, you know, pointing out all their, all their failures and all their weaknesses. And they just kept building up. And every time they failed, they got a little bit stronger every time. And people like that, those are the people that just become ex- insanely successful if they just keep going. One of, one of my stories about the, one of the people I think about, uh, in that regard is, is J.K. Rowling, you know, the author of Harry Potter. She she was on food stamps. She was a single mom on food stamps. And she decided to do that because she believed in this book she was writing. And she sent it to so many publishers. And it was rejected. I want to say like 20 to 40 publishers rejected it. And then finally it was published. And look where it got her. All right. Um, and it's, uh, I, I just, I get goosebumps even when I think about how people will be, there's certain people in this world that'll just be so resilient, you know, and sometimes it's just one out of 10 people, but, but there's a reason, you know, if you actually look at like what we consider, um, I don't want to use the word celebrities, but what we consider maybe highly successful people, um, cause I'm not talking about celebrities, you know, people that just were either born into the right family or whatever, but I'm talking about those people that came from the grassroots and just didn't listen to anybody else. And they just, they had a dream and they stayed on it and they stayed with it and just kept going. And I just, I get pumped up when I hear those stories and when I see what people can overcome. And there's um, one, an, a quick quote that I wrote down a little bit ago, you guys were talking about people getting out and, and just trying things. And, and I think a little bit of it is based on our society, our society, you know, we're like, when you look at the mid two thousands and we, we came up with, uh, Oh, what's the, um, 
came up with American Idol, came up oh. with shows like that, you know, reality type shows um, <laughs> where they're like, they're kind of, they're exploiting sensationalism a little bit. They're exploiting extreme. Yeah, yeah right. And <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite quotes is uh, one of, from one of my favorite bands. Uh, I was always a big Foo Fighters fan growing up. I love Dave Grohl, you know, who drummer of Nirvana. Love yeah, Nirvana. And yeah. he had when kind of when after a few years of American Idol and you kind of saw what they were doing. I mean, they were exploiting young, good looking people. And then they were just like casting off um, people that, you know, they would show the really bad people, you know, just for, again, more, more sensationalism. But Dave Grohl came out and said, like, that's not how any of this works. He's like, if you want to be a great, you know, you want to be a rock star, you want to be a, in, you know, a band or whatever. He goes, you got to go get your buddies together and you just got to suck for a long time. And he's like, you just got to, you got to play in a garage band and you guys just got to suck for a long time and you just got to keep sucking. And he goes, and then after a while, he goes, you're going to, you're going to just get better and you're going to find your way into gigs and you're going to find your way through. But he goes, that's, those are the bands that, you know, can have stick to that can come through and, but I just, I, it's one of my favorite quotes because I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. No matter what it is you're doing in life, you just got to suck at it for a while when you get started and you got to be willing to suck. So that's a good example too, because it, it points out the expectation that there's going to be some gatekeeper you encounter someday who's going to like anoint you as successful. And it doesn't happen like that. It, at least it's, it seems much more gradual, like, you know, the, the boiling, the frog in the boiling. You don't realize how things are changing, how your circumstances might be changing, or whether you're getting better um, as a musician or or whatever it is that you're trying trying to be better at and try to be a professional at. And then one day you realize people are coming to you, you know, wanting to hire you to do your work, and that I mean that's a good feeling, but uh, they're it's not like there's um, like on American Idol where you're, you're going to be selected and then chosen from among competitors by some committee. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. You just, I mean, you just have to stay at it. And eventually if you get better as you most likely will, if you're applying yourself, then you'll be good enough at whatever it is you're trying to do that people will recognize it. <laughs> so here I'm going to get hired and that's a good feeling. <laughs> right. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell this story uh, that I, and I'm purely going off memory here, the story. And I get, it's actually, this guy's, he's an agent and he's a big named agent. And I think he actually got into some trouble um, maybe like a year or two ago. I think he might've been the guy that like signed Justin Bieber and some other people. So I'm not promoting any of that, but I did hear this story that this guy told. And I was like, man, that. This is actually a pretty awesome story. So I'm going to try and tell it the way that he did. But he attributes all of this type of stuff, you know, people overcoming. because, And he says, this is how life works. He goes, you know, in the game of baseball, you know, we, you know when you're playing a game, he goes, you know, you get three strikes and you're out, you know, or whatever. But he goes, actually, if you think about life, there actually is no end to when you're done. 
you know, up until you die, I guess that's, that's the end. But in life, you actually get endless amounts of chances if you keep taking them, if you're willing to keep taking them. And so he talks, he, he, the story that he gave, he goes, imagine this. He goes, you're, he goes, the New York Yankees are, are letting anybody, they've got a pitcher that's throwing 102 miles an hour and he's got a big nasty curveball. And they're going to let anybody who wants a try at this guy, they're going to let anybody have a chance at this guy. And you can have endless chances that you want. And, you know, you get in the line and you stand up there. And so you're forming this long line and the stadium's full. Okay. There's, you know, 40, 50,000 people watching this and you get in line and the guys in front of you, you know, they're guys grab a bat and they get up there and the pitcher is throwing fastballs, you know, hitting triple digits on the radar and guys are going up there swinging and hacking and they get frustrated and throw their bat down and quit, you know, and there's a couple more guys that get up there and they're swinging and hacking. Nobody's even getting close to them. Nobody's even tipping the ball or anything. And so finally it's your chance. And he goes, and you grab the bat and you stand up there. And he goes, that guy starts throwing fastballs. And he's like, you can't catch up with it at all. And you keep swinging and you keep missing and he's throwing curveballs and you're missing those two. And you're standing up there, but you don't stop. And he goes, everybody starts getting mad at you because you won't quit. And so everybody's like, oh, come on, you know, come on, give somebody else a chance. Give somebody else a chance. And this guy is standing up and he keeps swinging and keeps hacking. Still nothing. You know, after 100 pitches, he's still just swinging and missing. And now everybody's really mad because this guy's just awful. And he keeps pitching, still nothing. And finally, you know, at pitch 200, let's say, he finally catches up to one and squares one up and hits it out of the park. And he goes, and the crowd goes crazy. And he goes, everybody's going insane. They can't believe it. This guy hit a home run off this pitcher, you know, that nobody thought could be done. And so he's rounding the bases and the whole stadium's going crazy. And nobody remembers the 199 pitches that you swung and missed at. They remember that one. <laughs> and, and it's just like, man, that's actually, when you think about it, that's a really big metaphor. And you think about how life works. That is how it works. You know, we can think about people that just failed and failed and failed and failed. But when they finally become successful, nobody remembers all the failures before that. Nobody talks about those. They talk about when the guy got big, you know, and I just I remember that story and I can't remember the agent's name. And like I said, I think he got in some trouble, so I don't even want to quote him. But but I will say that I, I heard that story and I liked it. So. It's very true. It reminds me of, we all know Taylor. She makes really awesome furniture. And uh, her story of getting getting her work out there. She she tried how many times? She said about 100. Yeah. Times to, to find a, a gallery that would, that would be interested in, in uh, having her work. And she had all those failures. And just one success and they got her on the map and now she's doing very well. Yeah. And extremely talented. And, mm-hmm. and that's a perfect example of just, it just took, it just took the one success and yeah. Stick to itiveness. So, <laughs> well, I think uh, we've probably, we've got a pretty good, 
section there that we can use. Um, you guys want to go into our do-gooders? Yeah. We're going with uh, Mike Rowe of Dirty Jobs fame. thought that was very appropriate to, to this subject matter. Just He's for a long time been an advocate of trades. Re- yeah, trades. Promoting the trades, getting your, getting, I mean, dirty jobs, getting dirty, getting in there, and doing the work. Yep. And finding satisfaction in doing work. There's, I, we recently just saw an interview with him or or something, where he talks about how as a society we've we've shamed people who do blue collar hard work, and it's. I don't know at what point as a society we we got there, but there is absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, it should be applauded if you're the one who's using your body to to do work. Well, your body and your mind. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, I've... uh, I've mentioned this on the podcast many times, you know, I taught at an alternative school where most of my students were the ones who needed to be doing the trades. They, they were not academic students. That was not where their skill was. And it's unfortunate that the educational system has taken those students and basically told them that they're not worth anything because they're not going to go to college. And so they're ashamed and they're, you know, it causes depression and it makes you feel like, like you're nothing when that is, it is the complete opposite. You have skills that are in a different realm and that is great. And so I, I applaud Mike Bro for being a public figure and, and standing up and speaking out for, for those jobs. He has his foundation, micro work, and their website has, I mean, a quick read of the their about page. Like you'll find three or four quotes that would be uh, worth mentioning. But yeah, he, if anybody wants to check out, he has this old YouTube video. I forget the exact title, but he talks about anagnorisis and peripatia. So he he comes from a a background in the theater of all places. Oh, not surprising. You know, he's a, a TV yeah. show host. Yeah, but um, I was surprised by that, just by his, his willingness to, to get in there and you know get filthy and. He was willing to do yeah. the work. So even though he went into that job probably because he needed a job, <laughs> <laughs> and this one was offered. <laughs> um, he did it. He went in and he did it and. Uh, I think he's, I, I think we saw that he had, he didn't have this expectation, but he learned a lot about himself and about those positions and about uh, happiness mm-hmm. in doing that show. Yeah, one thing he pointed out, he was surprised how many people who do brutal, filthy jobs are really, really happy people. The I think he said the... Um, the roadkill cleaners whistle while they work. Yeah. yeah, they're out there with a shovel cleaning up, you know, roadkill. <laughs> the deer, the raccoons, the possums, you know. 
<laughs> the armadillos, all of those. And they whistle while they work. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I think we're probably someday going to have to probably have that just be an entire topic for us. Like everything that Mike Rowe does and, and yeah. um, the, you know, the idea of, you know, shaming um, blue collar jobs and stuff like that. When, when the truth of it is the blue collar jobs are what support 95% of this country, you know, I mean, so, you know, we're just, uh, you know, and I think we're fortunate, you know, to grow up in the Midwest and to have, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the Midwest um, are people that understand um, the importance of those jobs. And I, I, for one, um, was never even growing up, you know, and I was, I was lucky enough that I went to the university of Illinois for college, but at no point, it wasn't until then that I've ever felt like people look down on blue collar jobs. Um, and it's, I think it was probably, um, due to growing up, you know, with parents who my dad was in construction, my mom was a nurse and, you know, growing up with, in a farm community, you know, where everybody is pretty much pulling their own weight. Um, it wasn't really until I went to a university when I started seeing some of that, you know, and hearing some of that, but that's a topic for another day, but yeah, it's the blue collar people, man. They're, they're the ones that make the, keep this country afloat. And, and, uh, I just know so many, so many good people that don't have college, um, don't have a college education, you know, but man, there's um, just hardworking, good, honest people out there. And intelligence so, has nothing to do with it. I mean, just because. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've met many college educated people in my you know, working in an academic environment that, yeah, I don't know. I, I well, I subscribe. I, I strongly <laughs> subscribe. Highly educated people. <clears throat> right. No, I, I strongly subscribe to the idea of multiple intelligences. And um, I know people that n never, you know, hardly saw a classroom. And, you know, I'm talking about some older people here, but I have some, um, one of my great uncles, um, I don't think he ever went to school past maybe like eighth grade or something like he just hit a point and he was like i'm done and this you know back of course this is the like 1940s but he was like yeah i'm not going back to school and my great grandma was like oh yes you are and he's like no i'm not and she's like well i'll, I'll fix him and she's like i'm just gonna work his butt off so <laughs> she woke him up at 4 a.m the next day and had him milking cows and you know worked his butt off all day long until the sun went down and so she's like he'll He'll wake up tomorrow and he'll want to go to school. So she went and woke him up at 4 a.m. the next day. She's like, all right, let's get up and go to work. And he's like, okay. So he got <laughs> up and did it again. And she just kept working him and working him. And she thought eventually he would hit a point where he was like, yeah, okay, I'm going back to school. He never did. Never went back to school. So he, he passed away, I think, two or three years ago and was in his late 80s. And, but extremely intelligent person, though. So Probably happy, too. Oh yeah, lived a good lived a good life. You know, yep. hard working person. So uh my do gooder are a couple of buddies of mine. Um okay, I'm gonna shout them out. Uh they had me on their podcast uh maybe four or five months ago. Um 
but it's uh, um, I'm going to shout out the podcast. It's uh, at Shop Class Podcast. Um, Matt Barbercheck and Mr. G um, are there. Uh, actually, I think Matt's um, Instagram handle is Jack of All Learning, and Mr. G is I think Mr. G's Workshop. Um, they're both shop teachers. Uh, Matt's in Michigan, and uh, Mr. G is in New Jersey, I believe. I know he's out east. And they're just both really good guys, and they've been running a podcast for a couple of years, and they're just doing really good work. And if, you know, some people follow me and I communicate with that are shop teachers, if you don't know about them, go look them up um, because they're like being a shop teacher is like being out on your own island. Um, you know, we kind of joke, you know, we get I was I was talking with somebody on Instagram this past weekend who's a shop teacher, who's a good person and he's doing a good job. Um, he just kind of got into it three or four years ago. I think he's, you know, maybe 50 and he kind of had a career change and he wanted to get into shop class and teaching and he, he got a bad evaluation and he was kind of feeling bad about it. And I'm like, man, I'm like, it's don't feel bad. You know, we're getting evaluated by people that were like math teachers you know, or English teachers and, you know, and then they come in and evaluate us on what we need to do differently with these 20 kids in a shop class. And it's like, man, that's a, that's a hard game, you know, to, to have somebody come in that's never done your job, but they get evaluate you. And I'm not saying they don't do a good job evaluating, but it's just tough to, to hear from somebody that hasn't been in your shoes. And, we're us shop teachers. We kind of communicate back and forth and, you know, we're all, that's the funny thing is even from school to school, we don't even have the same job description. Like Matt Barbercheck in Michigan does like, he does like an hour or two of small engines and then he does like an hour or two of metals and then he does an hour or two of woods. And it's like, man, that's, that is a wealth of knowledge that you have to cover in one day's time. And also be able to make those transitions every 50 minutes. That's not easy. At least for me, I'm, I'm a straight up woods teacher. I'm teaching just woods. And then Mr. G out in New Jersey is he's doing a lot of uh, auto type stuff. And he's really big into um, electric cars and, and taking just an old car and being able to transition it to an electric car. It's really cool stuff. But, you know, even from school to school we're not the same. And so we kind of reach out to each other because we all struggle um, with, with, you know, maybe math teachers or English teachers in schools, you know, normally schools have three or four of those, you know, or three or four PE teachers. And so they're kind of working together and, and they get to have that. Us shop teachers, we're on our own, you know, we're, we're on our own trying to figure it out and we're trying to cover everything. And, and it's a, it's a tough gig and then I'm not complaining about it, but it's just, it's not easy. And so if you are um, a shop teacher and you're looking for help, go look those guys up because they do a podcast and they, they stay to um, what it's like to be a shop teacher. And I think whoever you are, you'll feel better about yourself after you listen to their podcast. So, but uh, yeah, all good stuff. You guys got anything else? Uh, I have still not had enough coffee today, so probably not. <laughs> my, 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 
slow. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not for sure if you can hear me. Yeah, I'm you, coughing. You're sounding, you sound like you need to you crawl out. right back in bed. And this is the best I've felt in two weeks. So wow. I was really down there for a few days. But, um, hey, one thing I did want to uh, throw out there real quick, because we've had a couple people reach out to us, and which, I mean, is number one, is very flattering. Um, we've had some people reach out to us about um, wanting to, like, donate to us or donate to the podcast or to a cause or something like that. Whoa. And what uh, Tracy and Katrina and I have kind of discussed is once we kind of get through this busy season for all of us, I think we're going to start a Patreon of some kind. And what I think we'll do is we'll, we'll announce it once we get closer, but we've discussed um, probably doing a Patreon to make, I think our first item of business would be to upgrade our audio and so we'll probably go towards like looking into some microphones and some recording stuff um, would be the first thing that we would try and get to. Um, and then the next thing we kind of talked about was maybe just taking Patreon money and then donating it towards causes or something like that. So I don't know, but all stuff to be discussed. Yeah. I have a good so. cause too. Um, I need a new truck. <laughs> Now, Tracy, you have a perfectly fine running 1992 Toyota T1000. Well, well, we actually have two. I have a 92 and a 93. <laughs> so if anybody doesn't need another truck, it's me. And a minivan. That's, so. <laughs> that's funny. So that's good stuff. But yeah, no, we've. But I think, uh, you know, our first item of business would be to try and upgrade our audio, which we'll, you know, we'll get through the next few episodes and start reaching out about that. So, but uh, you guys have anything else? Um, that's, that's all I've got. We've got a day packed full of, well, packing. And tomorrow we'll actually pack the van and then we're leaving Wednesday morning. So we've got a lot of. A lot of hard work ahead of us. And where are you going to be next? Our very next show is Milwaukee. Um, We'll be in Milwaukee. And after Milwaukee, we'll head to uh, Chantilly, Virginia, just outside of D.C. All right. Did you hear that, Eric Rimmel? (laughs) They are coming to the good land. The good land, yes. I do like the Milwaukee show. It's it's. I like Milwaukee. It's nice. Yeah, I would imagine that's probably a really good one. I mean, Wisconsin's a cool state. Yeah. um, And uh, there's a lot of good woodworking. There's just a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool old tools up in Wisconsin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a cool old motel, too, which we look forward to. Yeah, there's... We don't stay at a chain motel. Are you you staying at the Jeffrey Dahmer motel? (laughs) (laughs) The Dahmer in, not this time. Uh, it's called dude. it's called the Value in, which sounds like it's uh, maybe questionable, but it's it's basically for for truckers. And if if truckers stay there, we found that's typically a really okay place, and it's quiet. 
It's a right. single floor. <laughs> so you don't have little dogs running around up above you. Right. At night. Mm. Or kids. But the cool thing about it is they have not updated anything in 35 years. So it's complete 80s before oh, in there. Except the bed. Oh, <laughs> which was. <laughs> yeah, it's some kind of really, really firm. Uh, Memory foam. Yeah. So, so if you if you if you flop yourself down on it, it's like hitting a rock, and then going into quicksand. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say they had water beds. Oh, <laughs> now that would be very nostalgic. <laughs> oh goodness! Good times. Oh, All right. Well, any of our Milwaukee listeners who might like to come and say hi to Tracy and Katrina this weekend, now's your chance. Please do. And anybody, if you see us at one of the shows, please hurry up. Don't be – if we're talk, you know, answering questions and stuff, we've heard a few people say they wanted to say hi but didn't want to be rude. Just, yeah, just uh, show in. people out of the way. Yeah. You're Barge probably – that's right. You're probably doing us a favor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and again, I'm sorry for coughing. And I'll be honest with you, I'm actually pretty proud I made it through all of this and I'm, didn't I'm have any proud. bad yeah. episodes. So, all right. Well, you guys have a good rest of the week. Safe Thank travels. You. Let's all get healthy and plenty of sleep. That's right. And we will go from there. Very cool. All right. Yeah, take care of yourself. All right, I will. All right, thanks again for listening. This was episode number 10.